You're listening to Masters of Web3, a Transac podcast. Join your hosts, Sammy Start, Transac co-founder and CEO, and me, former CNBC money journalist, Megan DiMatteo, for an exclusive look into the stories behind the world's most well-known Web3 startups. Every episode, we conduct interviews with the high-profile founders, developers, and innovators building the world's most widely adopted blockchain protocols. We want you to hear about the highs and lows experienced along the founder's journey in the crypto space from the people behind the tech that's changing our world and get a 360 degree look at how blockchain innovation is disrupting the internet as we know it. So welcome to Masters of Web3. Well, so as we said, it's it's really nice to meet you. And this is definitely a very unconventional first meeting. I've never done this before. (laughs) Uh, Sammy and I are meeting for the very first time, and it just so happens to be on camera in a video call while while recording this podcast trailer. I've never done anything like this before. Have you, Sammy? I I can't say that I have. I mean, mean, I've I've, I've definitely (laughs) met people for the first time on on like very public shows. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's the first time I'm meeting like someone from my team on a podcast for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I feel like at this point in your trajectory, you're probably used to doing unconventional things, like you said, at a high level and learning to yeah. be um, adaptive and kind of just going with the flow. Would you say that's true? Yes. Yes. I mean, this is, this is an unconventional situation, but it's not, it's not the weirdest thing that's happened to me this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Sammy, you're obviously the co-founder and CEO of Transac, which most of the listeners probably know is a company that designs and integrates custom fiat to crypto solutions for blockchain-based applications, which is a mouthful, admittedly. But but fortunately, I think most of the listeners are developers and crypto natives who understand what that all means. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's definitely a change of pace for me. As I got my start writing about uh, general personal finance for news publications like CNBC, Times Next Advisor, Business Insider. So my readers were always just kind of everyday people who wanted to invest well and retire well and live a happy, easy life. Yeah. Um, but now crypto is really changing all of that. And I think like on a, on a broad level, on a more mainstream level, people are thinking of possibilities that they would have never dreamed of just five years ago. Like you said, like this certainly isn't the most, the weirdest and most unprecedented thing that's happened this week because crypto is kind of coming in and changing all of the rules. So like, what do you make of that? I'm curious to know. Um, I want to dive into like your origin story, Transact's origin story, but just, would you say that that's kind of an accurate perception and um, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think that it's really interesting that you bring up helping ordinary people with their finances because I think that's something that we should always bring ourselves back to, to stay grounded. You know, we're doing all this like cool crypto, web three, smart contract stuff. But at the end of the day, our job is to help um, people, right? To help customers with, with their problems. And, and, and that doesn't have to be something fancy. It can be a very simple user problem, right? So, so you know, using complex technology, but, but presenting that in a very simple way is, is important. I love that. Yeah, that was one of the things that interests me about Transact because I get pitches all the time as a journalist, and I actually just got a pitch for like a, a cannabis dispensary in the metaverse. <laughs> and 
and I was asked if I wanted to have an exclusive tour and I had to ask myself like what does that even mean like what does that entail and is it real cannabis is it not real like it was just there's so much so many questions that come up whenever I read some of like these pitches that I get Um, and it was actually really nice to like learn about Transact and be like wow okay it's it's like Stripe but for crypto, it's a way that I can buy crypto easily by putting in my bank my bank account information or my my debit card or whatever. Uh-huh. And it was so refreshing in its simplicity. Oh, and much you. more effective that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I think like I don't know, you're you you stand to have a major impact. I think because of that. Was that something that you had like thought about when you were founding the company? Like, did you intentionally kind of try to? to aim for a niche that was a little bit more practical, but also very useful, very helpful. Well, when I, when I started working on the company, it was, it was all about making applications more accessible. And, and this was even before dApps were really a thing. So I was mostly looking at kind of normal FinTech applications and how can we make onboarding easier? How can we make it easier to get money in? And then, and then around February, 2019, I started seeing some of the dApps that were out there, right? So I started seeing like Axie Infinity and MakerDAO. And I actually started calling them up. So there's a real Reddit post out there where I was paying people 0.1 Ether each to speak with me um, if they use a dApp. <laughs> this is a real post, it still exists. Oh my uh, God. Uh, Sammy started paying 0.1 ETH to dApp users. So I spoke with a bunch of these people and I, and I, I got convinced that it was a real problem, right? So they, these are like normal, non-technical people who just were playing a game or using a finance app just for, just for um, the, the utility of that app. But then I started asking them, like, how do you get onboarded with it? And they were like, oh, it was like, took, took me weeks. I had to like set up a wallet, set up an exchange account, <laughs> transfer stuff out. Wow. And then, and then I actually started speaking to the app developers and, and there was the exact same problem, but from the other side, they were like, we don't know how to onboard our users. Some of them were even just putting checklists in their app, right? So they're being, putting this checklist of download a wallet from here then open an exchange account here, yeah. which is just not a, you know, you, you would, it's not the kind of UX that you would expect to see in like a, in like a good right. application. And, <laughs> it was just very clearly like a massive problem. And at the time, no one really cared about the problem because, you know, dApps, were, it was just like a bunch of like people who were just using this stuff and, and like, yeah. you know, it was pretty niche, you know, but I, I, I just felt very strongly that this was going to be a very big thing. I, 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 at that time, I had written a smart contract and I had deployed it and I had seen how how um, how it worked and I, and I was like, this is a new internet. So so th- that was like a very big problem in in a in a space that I felt very confident was going to be the future. And and yeah, I just I just decided I'm going to take a swing at this and this is something that I want to devote my time to. That's amazing. Wow. So you you actually answered my question because I was going to ask you to give us Transact's origin story. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's still some room to kind of go into like the company's first big success, the, the company's first big like, oh shit moment, pardon my French, um, yeah. first big wins. Um, but before we kind of get into all that, what, what was your personal crypto origin story? Like what was, do you re- still remember your very first crypto purchase and your first wallet and your first kind of uh-oh moment? Yeah, I, I think I first bought ETH in 2016. Uh, I was working in fintech as a software engineer at the time, and I, I kind of heard about it. I read some articles, and I, and I decided to buy. I was always more interested in ETH than Bitcoin because of the smart contract capability, the fact that you could smart write apps. Yeah, 
And so uh, I bought a yeah. bunch of these. Yeah. And that was when it was at like $200, something like that. So um, that was a long time back. And then, and then I, I, I actually started taking some smart contract programming classes and um, like deployed a smart contract and, and kind of learned a bit more about it. And that was when I really, I would say, uh, got, got very hooked into the idea that this was the future. So yeah. for you, it was always the tech and the applications of the tech more well, so than the like time, the investment side of things. At the time, the applications didn't really exist. This is, this is back in the like ICO days. And, and a lot of the ICOs were clearly scams, right? Like, like, like um, you know, it was surrounded by use cases. And I, and I knew they really didn't make sense. You know, I, I kind of had the foresight to see that a lot of these things were, were, were kind of BS. And, and then to, to me, though, like, like the fact that I had written a smart contract and deployed it, I, I, couldn't, I, I knew it was real. I, and I, I could see there were a lot of limitations, right, in terms of transaction throughput, in terms of gas prices and all of those things. And, and I could see also the types of applications that were trying to be built were not really feasible. And people were kind of building stuff in the wrong way. And then I think mm-hmm. that it, it really wasn't until 2019 when, when you started to see like real use cases. Up until that point, the only major use case of crypto was just buying it and, and like holding it in an exchange account. Or, or maybe sending it, you know, like mm-hmm. paying, right? Like buying a pizza with Bitcoin, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a field that that attracts a lot of visionaries, and that's like something that I'm interested and excited to talk to our guests about, like finding that balance between being visionary and having these major ideas, but then really scaling it back and saying, like, what's the real use case here? How is this going to make people's lives better and not more complicated? Like, what's the benefit of this? What's the value other than it just being something new and innovative? Um, mm-hmm. But like, how is it really going to to make their lives easier? And yeah, I'm excited to talk more about that with our guests and also hear more about the transact story along the way, because you'll be involved in those conversations as well. For sure. What do you want listeners to get from this podcast? From this podcast, I want to, I want to create an, a community around onboarding, around making Web3 applications accessible. I, I just want people to learn. You know, I, I want to speak speak with kind of very interesting people, hear their stories, spark ideas, and yeah, I, I want to see some interesting use cases of crypto, of blockchain, but but definitely with a focus of like making it accessible. You know, so how, how do we uh, make these apps something that the normal people on the street can use, you know, everyday people can use. And, and that's, I think, still largely an, an unsolved problem for the most part. What do you think is the biggest headache or roadblock that's in the way for developers who are working really hard to try to solve that problem? Well, if you look at the friction points of using an app, okay, let, let's, let's say, let's just take a thought experiment. Let's, let's say we take some random person off the street and we put them in front of, I don't know, let, let's say like MakerDAO um, or, or like, Uniswap. Okay, let, let's take Uniswap because they don't have any kind of like they're, they're totally Web three native, right? So let's take Uniswap. Okay. Someone lands on there. Now they see this thing. Okay, I need to I need to swap. Let's say USDC to ETH. Let's let's just take that example, right? Okay. So so first problem okay. is they don't have a wallet. So so they don't have anywhere to put the crypto. Actually, even even bigger problem before that is they don't they don't know what is. USDC and what is ETH and, and what is even crypto? So, <laughs> it's like a whole right. language accessibility problem, right? And and nine out of ten people, this is a made up statistic, but nine out of ten people who you put in front of that are gonna are gonna just be like, what is this? I, I'm just overwhelmed. <laughs> they won't even know where to start. 
okay right <laughs> yeah, like of the very brave people who persevere um they're gonna have to set up a wallet okay so they're gonna have to go to another website set up a wallet and come back that's typically not a good ux journey right you, you don't usually want to send your users somewhere else you want to keep them on your page that's like ux 101 mm -hmm. then they have to actually get crypto mm -hmm. into their wallet so let's say they have to get usdc they have to buy crypto and they have to put it in their wallet now, if they want to trade that crypto, let's say they want, let's say they want to trade USDC for USDT, they have to pay gas fees. So they actually have to bit of, have, a, have a bit of ETH as well, or the, the gas token on, on whatever chain they're on. And then they actually have to execute the transaction. There's so many drop-off points right now that if you're a first-time right. user, it's like <laughs> almost impossible to do it in one sitting. Like even, even me, like I'm, I'm kind of, you know, technical background, um, it took, it took me like multiple settings to do that back in the day when I, when I first started, I'm like the guy oh, in my family who, who like is supposed to fix the TV when it's broken, you know? So, so like, like what are the people who are not, yeah. are not doing that here, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people relate to that for sure. Um, and it's funny cause even in my family, my cousin was always that person that fixed the TV for my grandparents. And even yeah. he, he's older than me now. Uh, he's like yeah. probably in his early forties now. And even he is like, I'm out, like I'm tapping out. You know what I mean? Like my life is good, my life is set. There's really no reason for me to get involved in this. I've got kids to raise and <laughs> you know, all of that good stuff. So um yeah. but it's really funny because I've I've talked to a lot of people who have been in the crypto space for a while and who've become successful and even like in many cases uh wealthy through their early like Bitcoin investments or their early ETH investments. Yeah. And um They've all said that in some way, shape or form, like you don't want to be the person that is tasked with onboarding your your mom or your grandma to crypto. <laughs> um, yeah. There's like too much responsibility. There's too many opportunities for confusion. And then not to mention, there's like so much uncertainty from a regulatory perspective, but then also just from an ecosystems like startup perspective, like not every ecosystem is going to flourish. And so there's like just a lot of pressure to being that person <laughs> and nobody. So it's almost like very best kept secret. Nobody really wants to invite their friends to to be a part of this yet. Um, yeah. It's a lot of yeah. risk. And I, and I think the space kind of we, we did it the wrong way around. Right. So we, we started with like totally crypto native apps. And now with like finally we're starting to transition towards more like CFI, like hosted type applications. When in reality, we should have done yeah. it the other way around. Right. Like. People want to start off mm. in totally kind of centralized like CFI type situations, and then gradually you wanna you wanna like give more self sovereignty to more like control, right? So you can like give them access to their keys, give them access to more more and more control over time. And and I, I think that we're finally in a situation now where where we're like getting there as an industry. That's fascinating. Yeah, because I think like at this point, if you are a mainstream user, like I kind of put myself into that category, right? Like I have a Coinbase wallet, a MetaMask wallet. I have a couple, yeah. I own a couple hundred dollars of crypto, right? I think if you are a mainstream user and you have the curiosity, like you can start from on a centralized exchange and kind of gradually start to work your way. You know, like I know that one day I want to be more uh, elbows deep into DeFi trading, but I'm kind of taking it really slow and taking these like digestible bite-sized steps to getting there. Yeah. Just to yeah. clarify, I don't think that I don't think the exchange is the place to do that. I think that apps should should have their own ability to have relationships with their own end users. Mm. I think it's totally hence, because there's so many integration. Exactly, hence developer tooling, hence hence enabling apps to do it themselves, not not surrendering your user interface to an exchange. 
So, so like there's, there's so yeah. many different applications that need to come out, right? Like, I, and exchanges have kind of gobbled up some of them, right? So they've, they've like, you know, they've released staking interfaces, they've released NFT marketplace interfaces, but it's infeasible that they would own everything, right? And in the same way that in the early days of the internet, AOL kind of, you know, they had an app for weather, they had an app for email and an app for like chatting with your friends, but eventually like, isn't one company can't own the whole internet, right? And, and the same thing is true of, yeah. of Web3, is, is, is different applications need to create their own interfaces um, for those apps. Um, and then the developer tooling needs to exist to help them, to empower them to, to connect with their own users, not, not to like take their users from them. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> so many questions about that. I can't, I know that we're going to get many chances to dive into these topics deeper and deeper and deeper. You've been listening to Masters of Web3, a Transac podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show, giving us a review, and sharing this episode with one of your friends on Twitter. We know you hang out there. <laughs> If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the best and latest stories on blockchain technology right to your ears. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Masters of Web 3.